0: On today's episode, we're talking to Matt Young of Capital Developments about the new release of units at 155 and 150 Redpath, two buildings that I personally have invested in. Find out why on today's episode.
1: Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto.
0: Okay, it's my pleasure to welcome back to the podcast, Matt Young. Matt Young is the VP, uh, Vice President of Capital Developments. Matt, welcome back to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. Good to talk
0: to you again. Yeah, it's great. Great to talk to you again, Matt. I know we see each other a lot um, at different things, business and and socially wise, but uh, great to have you back on the show again after, it's almost exactly two years, it looks like I looked at the calendar, almost exactly two years, yeah, since we had the first interview on this show. So I wanted to ask you, get your brain sort of thinking uh, about the market a bit. What would you say over the past two years, um, what would you say has changed at Young and Eglinton in terms of the, the market there and what's happening there, obviously your involvement? What has changed at Young and Eglinton? And then the flip side of that question is, what would you say has not changed or what remains constant uh, at Young and Eglinton? So, if you want to think about that and 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 reflect on that, so what's changed at Young and Eglinton over the last two years and and then after that, what has not changed?
1: well, I think what's changed is a lot of the things that over the past you know three or four years that people have been talking about have have finally started, so whether it's construction on new projects whether it's uh, the progression of the Crosstown um, LRT, which is now, you know, going past the Young and Eglinton area right now, so there's a ton of construction happening as a result of that. So I think it's more of um, work and and things that people have been talking about over the past few years is now fully underway, and it's kind of right at Young and Eglinton's doorstep. Um, So, you know, in our case, you know, two years ago when we last spoke, um, we hadn't started construction on any of our projects. We had just launched the first project, 155 Red Path, um, and it had sold really well. And and I think we were gearing up to start construction. I think uh, probably, you know, in early 2015 we started construction on that one. Um, and then since then we've started and construction on the art shop and sold that exceptionally well. Uh, and then also sold 150 Redpath to Sister Tower to 155, uh, and that is just starting demolition as of this past weekend. So now all of our projects are underway. Um, we have permits for everything, and uh, now it's about building out the vision that we kind of uh, sold people on, and, and uh, I think as that happens, you know, you'll start to see even more changes happening in the area. There's other developers building things, and um, so now it's really the exciting time.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. A lot more shovels and, and, and cranes and things in, in the area. Um, but, uh, in, in terms of the market, like what's, what's your sense, like what's your feel of the market? Like let's looking back two years ago, the market then as it was, if you recall, and now the market today, September, 2016, how would you say the market is the same or different?
1: So, um, I mean just talking in the submarket for a moment I'd say you know when we launched our first project 155 Young and Eglinton um was just I think going through a bit of a rebirth and um the, I think the the general public the buyers of condos they hadn't fully realized what had been happening or what is happening so we spent a lot of time and energy um educating people on you know exactly what's happening here how much development's happening Um, how much new office is is going up in the area, um, jobs that are there, the cross ten LRT and all the infrastructure investments that are happening. It was a lot of education. And then kind of fast forward a year and a half, two years, when we launched our next two projects there, we found it became a lot easier and things sold a lot quicker just because the buyers and the public finally knew what was happening there. We didn't have to sell them on it because they already knew. People came there you know and I would talk to buyers in the sales office and they would tell me about the LRT and you know we're buying here because we see all the the money that's being spent in this area and it's going through a big change and we want to be here so um you know I think I think that's kind of been the big thing is uh you know is all all of that investment that's happened and uh and it's just made selling in that area uh so much easier and and uh, the process has been easier and then if you look at kind of the market um more broader you know i'd say and if you if i know you read all the uh the reports that come out but you know we've got the lowest supply i think we've ever had um, highest demand or, or or as high as we've ever had in terms of demand and we've really felt it at our sites that you know doing minimal marketing and and um you know re- really not putting ourselves out there so much we've just had consistent sales from january of this year Until now, even in the summer, we didn't really see much of a slowdown. And as you know, typically, a lot of people go away in the summer and and real estate slows down a little bit until September, but we didn't see a slowdown at all. So I think what that says is there's a lot of demand in the marketplace across the board, um, very, very little supply. It's taking longer and longer for developers to get product to the market. Um, And as a result of that, I think prices are going up significantly. I think demand is there um, and, and units are all selling. Um, I think it's a great thing for the real estate market, um, and now it's kind of up to us as developers to figure out how we can get more product out uh, to, to feed the demand.
0: Where do you see the submarket of Young and Eglinton going over the next few years?
1: I mean, to me, I think I think there's still more opportunity in that market than anywhere else in the city. Um, you know, people are are now buying condos on the basis of. Uh, Construction that's happening, but when the LRT is finally functioning, when a lot of the new retail uh, starts opening up in that area, and we're starting to see it now. I mean, La Carnita and Sweet Jesus uh, just opened up uh, in the Young and Eglinton area just around the corner from our sites. And if you've ever been on John Street and seen their location, Sweet Jesus is like lined up down the street all summer long and even beyond the summer uh, just to get ice cream. So we've got a lot of great new retailers coming up and opening up in that market. Um, and I think that's only going to add to the value in the area. So um, to us, we're, we're still very, very bullish on Young and Eglinton.
0: Um I want to talk about the market a little bit. You touched on it, but what, what would you say are the biggest challenges and what are the biggest opportunities for, like talking to you as a condo developer, what would you say are the biggest challenges and the biggest opportunities facing developers today?
1: I mean the the biggest challenge is just finding good sites and I think if you talk to every developer today they're going to tell you the exact same thing um, you know once you have a site you know and you're going through the process, you know the process can sometimes take longer than expected or you have uh you know hiccups in getting your approvals or whatever but for the most part, the hardest part is finding that site because um, once you've got it you know you kind of have a sense of how long things are going to take and when you'll be able to get your product to market uh, but the there's just too many big developers today and very few uh good sites left for development. So if you look around, I mean all the surface parking lots are pretty much gone. You know, developers are now tearing down eight and 10 story buildings in order to 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 put towers on those sites. Um which I think needs to be done. I mean, the the reality is we've got uh a lot of people who want to live here and we're having a hard time uh creating enough homes for people. So you know, if you look in the low rise market, you know, as prices this year have gone astronomical, um the the high rise market is really gonna be the, the affordable market to be in and we're gonna need that high rise market to service, you know, people who can't afford a million dollar home, uh which unfortunately is the vast majority of people uh in the GTA. So um biggest challenge is finding good sites and, and then getting them to market quick enough.
0: A lot of talk lately across the country has been about the the Vancouver 15% foreign buyer tax. Um, just was curious what your take is on that and and how you think something like that might affect the market in Toronto if it were to come to Toronto.
1: So, uh, you know, as far as the tax goes, I haven't uh, been reading up on it lately to see what the impact's been. Um you know, I've kind of heard uh, rumblings that it actually hasn't caused a huge impact um, yet at least. So, so, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong on that one, but that's kind of
0: what I've been hearing. Well, the, the yeah, the, the the stats have come out for the month of August in Vancouver and, and the sales are actually way down the over, the sales in the market are, are way down from what they were the previous year. Uh, it's only one month of data, so it's really hard to know if it's, because of this tax or if it's just a trend that was already happening and this tax is just coming in at the end of uh, of an established trend right. but um you know there there i guess it's too early to say i guess i would uh, my opinion i guess it's too early to say what what the impact is or if this really is a major um a major factor in the market there of foreign buyers, but uh, I'm just curious to see what your take is really on the whole foreign buyer thing in Toronto. Do you do you see a lot of for, a lot of foreign buyers in your projects? I mean, you've sold. Maybe tell it, give an idea of how many units you've been involved with the sale of, and how many of them you would say uh, were foreign buyers.
1: So in Young and Egg now, we've sold uh, about 1,500 condo units. Um, over the past uh, two and a half years. And I'd say of those 1,500, there probably isn't more than maybe 20 to 30 that have been foreign buyers. Um, yeah. So, like I'd say, I'd say 2% maybe,
0: or less. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a yeah. very,
1: very small market. Now, right. you know. I think there's, a, there's, there's certainly demographic uh, demographics that are buying projects more than others, but all of the buyers that we have for the most part have local driver's licenses. They're already residents here. So in many cases, they're new immigrants, but they've moved here, and uh, you know this is their, their first real estate investment. Um, we haven't seen a huge impact on, on uh, international buyers buying in our projects. That being said, we also haven't... Really gone out in a heavy way to to court those buyers. So it might be different for other developers, but you know, as far as I'm concerned, I think it's a relatively small uh, risk. And if it was to happen in Toronto, I don't think it'll have any impact whatsoever on the market.
0: Do you think? I, mean, I got to ask you. Uh, you get it all the time. I asked you, I'm sure, two years ago, but always interesting to hear what your current take is on it. Do you think there's a condo bubble in Toronto?
1: No, um, you know I, it's probably the most common question I ever get asked. Um, I think friends or family uh, once they know I'm in the real estate business, that's usually the question they ask. Um, you know, to me, I think if you look at the fundamentals of the market, uh, there's no real sign that a bubble is happening. Um, all the units that are selling uh, are being sold to buyers um, before they're built, so it's not as if we're building on spec and hoping that a buyer is going to come. We have already got a buyer for those units. Usually they have 20% deposits in those deals so they are heavily invested in keeping those units and, and uh, there is very limited risk that they would not close. Um, if you look at the rental market, you know, in many cases buyers of new construction condos tend to sway towards being investors although that is starting to shift more now. But those investors are looking for somebody who's going to rent that unit out. And if you look at the rental market today, I don't think it's ever been, um, as tight as it is, as it is now. I mean, I've got friends who are agents who deal with a lot of rentals, um, and they're having multiple offers on rentals. You know, units are coming up and within less than 24 hours that units are already rented. So if the market is that, um, tight on supply, uh, I don't see how a bubble could be happening. I think, you know, the reason people think there's a bubble is that, you know, if you're if you're a Canadian born person who's, you know, been watching the real estate market over the last ten years and seen this constant boom, you probably wonder and you and you kind of reference back to five or ten years ago, here's what the prices were then and here's what the market was like then and this is what it is today, that can't be sustainable. Um but I think you have to look at it from a broader context and say, you know, where is Toronto as a city going? And if you compare Toronto to other cities that have already gone there, what do those cities look like? So if you look at places like San Francisco or New York, um any major city in the world that people really want to live in, those cities are all super expensive. You know, those cities the idea of a single family home on a 50-foot lot isn't even in the realm of possibility. Nobody can buy that in New York, nobody can buy that in London, nobody can really buy that in San Francisco for the most part. So, um if you look at Toronto in the same vein as those cities, then Toronto is still very cheap and we're just going through a bit of a, a growth spurt between that transition from being able to afford a single-family home to now not being able to afford a single-family home and people are having to make lifestyle choices as a result of that. Um, and that, I think, you know, rather than recognizing what's actually happening, people say, oh, there must be a bubble and this can't be sustainable because I should always be able to buy a home in, in a city like this, but that's not really the case. Um, If you look around the world, there's a lot of places where, you know, detached home ownership or or even having a large, you know, what we would call a North America livable space, you know, isn't the norm. You know, if I was in Hong Kong earlier this year and, you know, I, I looked at a project, the largest unit in that project was like 320 square feet. So, Wow. And a product that's being built um, in places where you have a huge amount of population and very, very little land or very little supply of real estate. It's just what happens. So um, I think that's starting to happen in Toronto. Um, we're not where New York is yet, um, but I think we're on our way to that, and that's something people should consider.
0: That's great. Now, I want to talk to you, of course, today, about, uh, you've got some news about uh, Red Path, 150 and 155 Red Path, two great projects that um, I personally invested in both of them. I'm very excited about both those buildings. Uh, why don't you tell us what's new, what's happening there, and and uh, break yeah. the news, I guess, what's exciting.
1: <laughs> I mean, I guess the the breaking news is we have uh, we have new floors. We have a new floor at each of the projects um and we had you know basically sold out we had a handful of units left in each project so so these new floors are are much needed um supply and uh we're just starting to release them now so um you know we we got about 30 new units at 150 Red Path and 16 new units at 155 um obviously 155 is farther ahead on construction we're now on the 16th floor and construction's going exceptionally well um, I think these buildings are gonna turn out to be really, really beautiful buildings. We we spent money in places that I would say other developers don't necessarily spend money on because we really want to make sure that these are, are exceptional quality buildings from the top to the bottom. Um,
0: so Yeah, you we were we were talking yeah, we were talking about that, Matt and That's one of the things I wanted to ask you about. I found that very interesting and again this is one of the points that um, I'd love for people listening, investors out there listening to hear about, because I think it's really something that separates the quality developers, the experienced developers, the the developers who really care about building a a high quality project that they're looking beyond just finishing a building and getting out of there, looking to really have something that, you know, five, 10 years down the road after it's built uh, is still respected and known as a really great building to buy and to live and to invest in. Um, so yeah, maybe can you give us some examples? You said they're spending some money in areas uh, on the building that uh, some extra things. Can you give any examples of what that looks like or, or you know, or maybe yeah. in a broader sense, like, yeah,
1: go ahead. Sure. There's a few, a few key things. So, um, you know, one example, if you look at a lot of uh, buildings going up, they have window wall systems um, on the outside of the building. And that's basically, um, a window system that sits between the two slabs and uh, basically acts as skin of the building. Um, so in our case, um, we've invested in a few different things uh, that kind of elevates that quality system. So um, we don't have spandrel panels, for example. We have a shadow box design along the slab edge. So the slab edge is between floors where the concrete slab is poured. If you look at a lot of buildings, they have a metal panel or they have um, kind of a back-painted glass uh, slab edge cover. And what we've done is actually do a shadow box so the the panel sits away from the slab edge and it's the same color and same glass as the actual uh, uh, glass that that you're looking out of in your suite. Um, So it's just a nicer finish. It's a nicer quality finish. Um, We also removed a horizontal mullion in the glass. We were initially in our design had that and removed that horizontal mullion just because we felt having one big of glass that sits from your floor all the way to your uh, to your ceiling in your suite would be a much nicer experience than having a horizontal mullion. So that's basically a metal um, frame that would cross the suite, you know, three or four feet up. Um, so, you know, those are two things we've done to really kind of elevate the skin of the building. In our parking garage, for example, we're actually spending money on making the parking garage not feel like um, a total afterthought. So we're going to be. Painting the garage a certain way, and we're going to be coming up with really great wayfinding and graphics for the garage. And we've got a few other kind of interesting ideas that, um, that we're working on right now that's going to make it even more interesting. So, um, and ultimately more livable, you know. So if you're living in that building, you know, you're going to feel comfortable coming home and you're going to feel, um, like a lot of time and energy was invested in the details, not just, you know, in selling the units. Um, so those are kind of two areas right now that, um, you know, we're. I think we're kind of going above and beyond, and and there's other things that we're starting to work on as we go through the project. Um, you know, as we're finalizing tendering of of construction, where we're finding opportunities to you know create value for the the residents. You know, even even the columns when we're pouring the building, you know, a lot of uh, builders will pour a what would be a standard column. It's a rough finish. Um, and we've actually put sonotubes around the columns and created an architectural finish around the columns going up the building. So when those columns are finished, they'll be very, very shiny and super smooth, and they will look like they've been finished architecturally and not just, you know, like they're there to hold up the building. Um, So that's another example where, you know, we're spending a little bit more money, but we think it's going to make a difference in the quality of building that we're delivering. And for us, you know, we want all of our purchasers to feel like they got value. So, you know, when they move into this building, we want them to feel like this is a premium building compared to other projects in the neighborhood. And and they're hopefully going to realize value from that. Um, And hopefully they'll want to buy from us again the next time.
0: Yeah, well, it's certainly, uh, you know, certainly worked out very well for you so far. And I think if you keep doing that, it's going to continue. And that, that is a reason why, you know, your buildings do command a premium in the resale market as well. Details like that and, and thinking through things like that that most developers will say, hey, here's an opportunity to save a little bit of money um, without really thinking about, like you said, the user experience at the end of the day and the feeling that you get when you're in the building and in your unit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Matt, why don't you tell us, why do you think 150 and 155 Red Path um specifically now why is it, why is it a good time for an investor to look at getting a unit in those buildings right now? Would you say
1: so I think uh you know for one um there's very very little product in the area, so we're we're trying to you know create as much product as possible um for the demand um, both projects uh since we launched um have seen. A number of you know new developments happen. And I think are going to add value to those projects. So to get units now after that has happened, I think is fantastic. So for example, you know we've got public art that's going in to both of these two projects. We did a, a public art competition. It's now been released. Who the artist is and the artwork that's being done. And and I'm, maybe you can post a link on your blog. There's been lots of uh, articles about it. Um, you know things like that are going to add value. You know we've just signed. Um, You know, a a lease that we're 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 just wrapping up actually, I should say, a lease with uh, our first tenant at uh, 155 Redpath, which is going to be a fantastic tenant. Um, We'll be able to announce that hopefully fairly soon. Um, But you know, these are all little things that have been done since since after we launched that uh, people will be able to you know start to realize what the living experience is going to be like in this building. And it's it's just easier for them to visualize what it's going to be like. And I think, you know, we're just making a better and better building as the days and weeks go on. And, uh, you know, to have units left um, now, to me, is the perfect time to to jump on them. So
0: That's great. Thank you very much, Matt. really appreciate it. And, yeah, looking forward to uh, seeing these new units, the new release. Uh, a lot of these units were sold out, of course, many months ago. And now all
1: of these units were sold out.
0: There all of the units were sold out. So, um, There you go.
1: Buildings, in fact, so um, it's uh, it's good that we have a little bit left here.
0: That's great. That's great. Um, and the building's a little bit taller, too, so that's always a good thing. Um, yeah, Matt, thank you very much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Always good to chat with you, and um, hopefully we can have you again on the show soon.
1: For sure, and hopefully we can uh, get you by for construction tour one day soon.
0: Absolutely. it would be great. Thanks, Matt. Awesome.